Welcome to the Homeopathy for Mommies radio show. Your host, Sue Meyer, is a Catholic wife and homeschool mom of 11. She shares her knowledge of the study of natural alternative medicine with you. While this show is not intended to diagnose or name any disease, through her experience, Sue will share helpful information to help you further your study into the amazing world of homeopathy. And now, here's your host, Sue Meyer. Hello, and welcome to Homeopathy for Mommies. This is Sue Meyer. Today we're talking about Attention Deficit Disorder, or ADD, and Attention Deficit Hyperactive Disorder, ADHD. There's actually a difference between the two, and both are actually genetic, okay? So a lot of people say, oh, I'm going to have my kid tested and see if he's got ADD or ADHD. The thing is, is it's, it's very, like I say, it's very genetic, so if there's no one else in the family that's ever been diagnosed with it or even seems to have symptoms of it, uh, chances are your kid doesn't have it. But if either you or your husband or husbands, if you're listening to this, you or your wife has it or your the parents or grandparents had it, um, then there's a chance that the child could have it. So if you, we'll, we'll talk about this and you can kind of get a better understanding of what both of these genetic disorders are. And then we can go on to cure them. <laughs> No, seriously. I'm really excited about this because the thing is, is okay, back in the good old days, you never heard of people talking about kids being hyperactive or whatnot and so forth because if little Johnny was acting up, you just sent him out to, you know, shovel calf manure and he came in tired and the problem was under control. And see, we don't have those outlets so much anymore. And so it's, it's kind of sad, actually, because that's kind of the way things were designed to fix themselves. But it is difficult for kids with ADD and ADHD to sit and study because they do have a harder time focusing and concentrating on things that they don't find interesting. Okay, so anyway, let's go ahead and we'll actually talk about what these issues really are. ADD is attention deficit disorder. ADHD, like I said, is attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Both are brain-based conditions and affect people's ability to stay focused on things like schoolwork, social interactions, and everyday activities, like even brushing their teeth or getting dressed. The biggest difference between ADD and ADHD is that kids with the ADHD are also hyperactive. They have trouble sitting still and might be so restless that teachers quickly notice their rambunctious behavior and suspect there might be attention issues involved. On the other hand, kids with ADD might fly under the radar because they aren't bursting with energy and disrupting the classroom. Instead, they often appear shy, daydreamy, or off on the, in their own world. These are the kids that, that have a really difficult time focusing on what the teacher may tell them to do. And as she stands up there and talks, they can't actually focus on what she's seeing. They have a really hard time. If it's not something that interests them or piques their interest, then they tend to withdraw into their own thoughts as well. So like I say, there's a, there's a few things we can do to kind of help buffer that and balance that because it's not as serious as far as trying to help them as it is the kids that are super hyperactive on top of it. Kids with the inattentive type of ADHD may also have trouble finishing tasks or following instructions. They tend to be sluggish and slow to respond and process information. It's difficult for them to sift through the relevant and irrelevant information. And they may also be easily distracted and appear forgetful or careless. Kids with ADD are often accused of not listening to their parents. But the reality is that they, uh, they often listen too closely and very attentively to everything. And they just can't filter out the non-essential information. 
While this is frustrating for the parents and teachers, remember that it is equally frustrating for your child and is not necessarily a willful act. So with this, what are the kind of some of the things that um, to look for in people who have some of these issues? One of the things that um, I've, always, I've often heard people talk about is that people with ADHD or ADD, they, um, the teachers will say things like, oh, such an intelligent child. And once they're focused on things that they enjoy doing, they excel. Or they're really hands-on or this or that. But the mainstream, do what I tell you to do, little Johnny, while you're sitting there at your desk, bored out of your mind, they can't do that they are disruptive very often or they just simply can't do their work or they just sit there and stare at their paper. They can't process that information of what they're supposed to do or how they're supposed to put it on their paper. So these are some of the things that uh, it the teachers find so frustrating because it's disruptive to the class because they're getting behind, they're not doing their work, and they can't give special treatment. And so they want these kids on drugs so that they can do what they're supposed to do. And even in my research, it was kind of funny because, oh, we've come so far with our our drugs as to how we can help these kids. It's kind of interesting, okay? <laughs> so let's not focus on any of that because kids don't need that. And you're going to find that kids find have so much help. And this is not just for kids. This is for adults as well because this is a lifelong problem. And we're going to get into the technical medical end of it here in just a moment. But some of the symptoms that... You can go online and take tests. It's kind of fun. But some of the symptoms that people have, and this is like even adults, is that they are level-headed in a crisis, these, these people. Where a lot of people, you're a very well-organized person. In a crisis, they can fall apart completely. But someone with ADD, they have that ability to finite pay attention to something that's going on. Um, some of the other symptoms are that they do find it difficult to finish projects on time. They find it hard to stay with one job. They get very bored very easily and they want to move on. Again, the siblings, the genetic connection. Do they have parents, siblings, grandparents that had similar issues even though they were never diagnosed? Is this the way they behaved as well? They tend to, like I say, they tend to hyper-focus they have the ability to hyperfocus. The learning disability, such as dyslexia, 40% of kids with ADD have a form of dyslexia. So, and like I say, there's just there's many different forms of dyslexia as far as um, words inverting, words jiggling around, different things like this. Replacing the, the word, I've actually seen a child that would be reading along and completely like say take the word the word would be duck and they would use the word bird as they were reading and the mind is so agile that it's able to actually in in a fluent sentence just replace the words as it's going along without even missing a beat if it doesn't know a word or it is its mind is working so fast it associates a story and so it'll replace the words as it's going because it has the same meaning but he's seen something different. So I've seen things like that go on with kids with ADD. Um, also, it's not a universal truth that people with ADD lack. They always have a to-do list that's a mile long. 
they're at the top of their desk. This is one of the things that was kind of made me laugh. The top of the desk is is never visible. They tend to have stacks of things going on all the time. They have 40 different projects going on simultaneously and are able to know where everything is and how it's done <laughs> or they, they know where things are and even though it, it appears they're sitting in a mess. They talk to themselves very often. They can drink coffee usually at night because what happens is where coffee stimulates most people it tends to bring these people down and give them clarity. That's why Ritalin so often works for these people where to other people it's speed but to them it's it brings them down and helps them to focus. But we don't want to use drugs do we? <laughs> um, the they are multitask type people and like I said the hyperactivity is usually prevalent well it's always prevalent if there's the hyperactive ADHD but not everybody has the ADHD in fact is I've seen kids that with the ADD because it ADHD is a subtype of the ADD but kids with ADD very often appear actually almost lazy and they just sit quietly and they have a hard time processing these things like I said have a hard time learning to read or have a hard time with certain aspects of school but when they find their niche they're so good at it and like I said they have the ability to hyper focus and so that's basically what we're dealing with here now what is going on ADD or ADHD is a neural behavioral condition some of the things that they look for when they want to diagnose someone for either one of these conditions is number one inattention they tend to have inappropriate attention skills for their developmental level. They often fail to give close attention to details or make careless mistakes in schoolwork, at work, or with other activities. Often have trouble holding attention on tasks or play activities. Often does not seem to listen when spoken to directly. Often does not follow through on instructions and fails to finish schoolwork chores or duties in the workplace. They tend to lose focus or get sidetracked. <laughs> okay, that can be anybody. They often have trouble organizing tasks and activities. They often avoid or dislike or are reluctant to do tasks that require mental effort over a long period of time such as schoolwork or homework. They often lose things for tasks and activities like school materials, pencils, books, etc. Their glasses, their telephones, <laughs> their keys, their wallets. <laughs> Don't let my family read, hear me say this, okay? They are often easily distracted and they are often forgetful even in daily activities. Number two, one of the, this is the second thing that they look for when they're testing or di trying to diagnose someone with ADD or ADHD is hyperactivity and impulsivity. They often fidget or tap their hands or feet or squirm in a seat. They often leave their seat in situations when remaining seated is expected. Often run about or climb in situations that it is not appropriate. They often are unable to play or take part in leisure activities quietly. They are often on the go or acting as if driven by a motor. Often talk excessively. 
often blurt out an answer before a question is even completed, often has trouble waiting his or her turn. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm having a really hard time getting through this. Often interrupts or intrudes on others or butts into conversations or games. <laughs> I'm going to go one step further and say, or even walk into a room. Cannot walk into a room without talking. Okay? Um, I would say this is a huge <laughs> symptom, is always enters the room talking. Even if they're not sure anyone's going to be there to hear them. <laughs> oh, Okay. In addition to the following conditions must be met. So this is, these are some of the things that, that must be met to diagnose someone with ADD or ADHD. Is several inattentive or hyperactive impulsive symptoms were present before the age of 12. Several symptoms are present in two or more settings. So such as at school, work, with friends or relatives or other activities. And there is clear evidence that the symptoms interfere with or reduce the quality of social school or work functioning. Okay, um, the symptoms are not better explained by another mental disorder, like such as mood disorder, anxiety, disasso disassociative disorder, or personality disorder. So in other words, you can have <laughs> these symptoms, but if you can put a different name to them, then it may not be ADD or ADHD. Okay, so the ADD, ADHD diagnosis is further broken down into one of three subtypes. The combined presentation, the predominantly, predominantly inattentive presentation, or predominantly, predominantly hyperactive impulsive presentation. So ADHD is not caused by bad parenting, falls or head injuries, traumatic life events, digital distractions, video games and television, lack of physical activity, food additives, food allergies, or excessive sugar. It's not caused by any of those. Okay. Personally, I think it's exacerbated by all of those, <laughs> but it's not caused by it because it really is a genetic disorder. And so let's go on to talk about some what's really going on. The differences in the communication route related to reward and consequence, that's a pathway involving dopamine activity. Okay, dopamine is one of the things that um, is severely deficient in people with Parkinson's disease, and it's that connectivity between the brain and what's going on in the rest of the body. Dopamine is huge, and when there's that deficiency, uh, so many things can go wrong. So this dopamine activity or lack of is very problematic in the brains of individuals with ADHD as the brain network the brain networks involved in this engagement and regulation of attention the disruptions in serotonin levels and activity may also play a role particularly in affecting the modulation and regulation of the dopamine system I'm gonna take a little break here as we're talking about this but the, the only reason I know anything at all about dopamine and serotonin and things like this is because when my daughter had her head injury that was one of the things that we had problems with is that she started sleepwalking and it was so bad and now mind you we have a seven and a half year old child here who's sleepwalking at night going to the refrigerator making herself peanut butter and jelly sandwiches walking around the house doing all sorts of really strange things 
and would have no recollection of it the next day. Absolutely none. And so we became so concerned about it that, you know, of course we're talking to family and, you know, friends and I, I didn't, I had this thing against doctors. I was so scared they were, want, they were going to want to put her on drugs. And my sister, who is extremely brilliant, <laughs> she is, she's, well, if it wouldn't have been for her, I wouldn't have even taken an interest in any of this stuff years and years ago. But she's like, Sue, try just giving her nettle leaf. She said nettle leaf is really rich in serotonin and it, it triggers the body to produce more melatonin so that she's going to be sleeping better. And I'm like, really? So I did the research and it's like, and it's the highest herb for serotonin levels that, you know, help her to start sleeping better. I, so I started giving it to her and oddly enough, um, there is a connection between sleep disorders and hives and skin problems and things like that. And so nettle leaf is seriously a huge cure for all of that. So I started her, I started encapsulating organic nettle leaf powder and I started her only one capsule and then I upped it after a couple days, make sure there was no aggravation. I upped it to two capsules a day, early in the day. And I gave it with food because then the body tends to recognize things better. So I gave it with food and pretty soon I had this seven and a half year old kid up to four on four capsules of nettle leaf powder a day at the, the 500 milligrams she was taking twice a day. And she within six months it, immediately her sleep patterns started getting better but within six months she was totally done sleepwalking and she was sleeping a regular 10 hours a night it was just gone her problems were completely gone and it just fixed what happened you know like after a brain injury like that you have that neurotransmitter interruption in her brain and her whole brain was so affected you see what I'm saying and it just it fixed it it I just really believe that it just rerouted everything that was wrong all that connectivity in her brain just was fixed so here we have this brain communication differences on um, people with ADD and ADHD and so let's stop and think about the greens let's stop and think about those rich dark leafy green vegetables that we're supposed to be eating are we doing that today you know I I know I have a hard time making sure I get all my leafy greens so back to the connectivities. <laughs> Studies also continue to validate a theory of poor connectivity between different parts of the brain and along different communication routes, primarily what is referred to as the default mode network, the DMN. Dysfunction in this network gets in the way of performance and effortful engagement in activities. So people with ADHD tend to have that disconnectivity in their brain and it obviously and they have linked it to the dopamine issue. The various genes have been correlated with ADHD including dopamine receptors, the transport gene, the genes impacting serotonin activity. There is a great deal of evidence the ADHD or ADD runs in families and so it's suggestive of genetic factors. Recent studies suggest that anywhere from 40 to 60 percent of children of adults with ADHD will also have the condition. Now mind you we keep saying this and saying this and saying this that even though you have a genetic predisposition that doesn't necessarily mean that ever, is ever going to have to manifest itself. Okay if we have proper nutrition we have proper exercise we have proper nourishing 
home life and things like this and every, and there's no major traumas then we can keep those triggers from setting do you see what I'm saying because within homeopathy we, we know yes there are some people who are born you know obviously they have they're actually born with certain things going going on because it actually manifested itself intrauterine and you're not going to be able to change that all we can do is just balance people as best we can that's like some people say something said something to me the other day about even a down syndrome baby and I said God in his wisdom knows exactly what he's doing okay <laughs> we have to believe that and we have faith in that but we also understand the connection between older mothers and down syndrome babies why because God thinks an older mother can handle it maybe we don't know God's reasoning but we also know that the Down syndrome baby, their mothers, there's the link between hypothyroidism. And now we're seeing more and more younger mothers with Down syndrome children because there is more hypothyroidism going on worldwide. It's not just the older mothers where their systems are slowing down. So if we can understand this and know that if we're in good health, even our, even our offspring will be healthier. And their offspring and so even things like ADD and ADHD never really need to manifest themselves if everything is in place and if nutrition is proper and if mother is healthy and if the home life is settled and more conducive to methodical disciplined routine lifestyles that will help to train the children even though they might have that tendency to be a little hyperactive or have the tendency to be you know have a dysfunctional ability to learn to read or whatever it can still be patsied and s balanced a bit I'm not saying that all children are gonna find it easy to read I'm just saying that it the methodical lifestyle and the in the super nutrition really really help but these are <laughs> these are real issues and you can't change a person you can only buffer the situation okay so those are some of the things that we look for or doctors look for when they're trying to diagnose a child and teachers like I said they're usually the first ones to say hey get this child tested you know let's let's look at what's going on why is little Johnny having trouble learning to read why is little Johnny wiggling his legs and bouncing the desk in front of him and tapping his pencil you know these are all things that they're gonna look for that are trigger triggers to say hey let's get this kid che checked would I want to know if my kid had ADD? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. Actually, they, 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 they run these random tests all the time, and they'll say, oh, I think your child has this, or your child has that. And so I'm going to give, tell you a little story about, okay, before we go into, you know, I'm going to save this story. I'll talk about it in the next show <laughs> or one coming up because today we're just going to talk about this. But I'm just saying that all of these things, these, these oddities, these weaknesses or deficiencies they can all be just balanced so what would I do for someone who came to me and they said I've just been diagnosed with ADD or ADHD what can you do for me the first thing without if I did an acute case I would say well this is what this is what I would give you this is a group of things that I suggest you try and if this doesn't work you come back and we'll do a full case intake and that would will be what we call a chronic case intake 
and I would charge him more for that. <laughs> but if I was to do an acute, this is what I would suggest. Because anybody and everybody can do these things and help themselves or help their children or help their families or help their friends to balance their attention deficit disorder problems. Because it doesn't remember, you're not going to change who they are, and they're always going to have those tendencies. And at any given time where the immune system drops lower, or they're not getting their nutrition, or they're not getting their sleep, all these symptoms will start to come back again. And so it, you're not going to cure them, because it is genetic, but you're going to help to balance them. Okay? All right. And by balancing them, they're still going to be hyper-focused, and they're still going to be you know, have trouble focusing on the things you want them to focus on, but it's not going to be as noticeable. All right. The first thing I would do is it, I would ask them if they've been immunized. If they've had any immunizations whatsoever, I would ask them to do the Thuya and not self-cleanup. And the reason for that is because if someone has been immunized and they have a, have a weakness, it's going to exacerbate that weakness. So once they've done the cleanup, they will respond better to all of the treatments that they do down the road. And that Thuya and that self-cleanup are two homeopathic remedies. And you can find them in my book, Homeopathy for Mommies, page 187. And it'll describe the cleanup in there. So I would definitely do the cleanup. And when you're done with the cleanup, then can come back and do these other things. But that would be the first thing that I do. And so if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can go to the podcast immunizations on immunizations. Fact is, I suggest you listen to all my podcasts. I have people coming into the store all the time and they're asking me questions and we've been referring them back to the podcast now. It's really nice and I appreciate my friend Joy and my daughter-in-law Lori who have been working literally night and day to help me with all this stuff that we're trying to do on our websites. And I appreciate it so much. And I appreciate you ordering from our website and getting our crash course and all of our different things because it, it helps helps us to be able to keep doing this because when you have something coming back in for your efforts, it's it's always rewarding. <laughs> so anyway, the Thuya Net Self, page 187 of Homeopathy for Mommies. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, like I said, go to the immunization podcast. All right, from there, I would seek a constitutional. And now by that, you can look in the Homeopathy for Mommies book. And the constitutionals are, even though um, a remedy is just a, also an acute remedy for pretty much anything, it can also act as a constitutional. And a couple of the remedies that I would definitely try is, is, is this ADD person, depending on their symptoms, you know, Nux Vomica is really huge for too much, too much of anything. And so Nux Vomica is very often very helpful to people with ADD or ADHD because they tend to be way over the top. <laughs> um, and Calcara Silicata is, is a really good constitutional. The Calcara remedies are huge when it comes to the inability to really focus and and do a task on, on according to the world's specs, so to speak. And Kelkar is really famous for never finishing the job. 
Okay, so that's those are just a couple of remedies that you can look at. But when you get through this list of different things, if you're not, if the person with ADD is not having really good results, I would seek a homeopath for that deep-seated trigger constitutional help. And it wouldn't take long. <laughs> they could sit down with you and they'd figure it out very quickly. But one of the things that I really believe we are all missing in all of our, uh, anybody with any sort of um, unperfect health, is it comes down to nutrition and our minerals and our vitamins that we have such a difficult time getting nowadays. And like I said, I'm not I'm not a vitamin person. I do believe in herbs and supplements to the point where obviously you know I love spirulina. I love chlorella for a detox and spirulina for my B vitamins, MSM for the missing sulfur because we don't eat enough stinky foods. We don't eat enough cauliflower. We don't eat enough broccoli. We don't eat enough eggs. And that's where we're going to get our sulfur. If you're not eating those things, you are missing the boat. Okay? So we take the MSM. It helps to helps those reconnective cells build and make stronger tissues in the body. And then also the herbs like the nettle leaf that we talked about. Because the nettle leaf is so rich in the serotonin that helps the body produce that melatonin and, that, and is, makes that conductivity in the brain so that, that that dopamine and all the brain functions are following the right pathways. And then you have the right connectivity because they, they actually will show pictures of the brain and people with ADD and things like this that they have little patches of thinking going on all over the brain and it none of it's connected. And I, I mean, I, <laughs> I'm sorry for people like that. I have been accused of being a scatterbrain myself. I don't, I do not have ADD, okay? But it, I think it does run in my family. And like dyslexia and things like that, that does run in our family. So there are things that aren't connecting just right. So can you imagine how bad we'd be if we weren't eating the proper foods? And these people can multitask quite efficiently. <laughs> They're always in a mess, but they know where everything is, except their phone <laughs> or the pen they were just using. Anyway, the nettle leaf is really, really good for, for that serotonin and ginkgo. Ginkgo biloba, I know you've all heard of that. It's an awesome herb that you can find in tea, you can find it in different herb or herb supplements. It's very, very expensive. So it's usually combined with other herbs. It's an old Chinese herb. It's, it seriously is like one of the oldest plants that they've found fossilized, you know, anywhere. So it's managed to stand the test of time. So God thinks it's pretty important. So it is a, it's a good, it's a good plant and you can get it tinctured. You can, you can buy it tinctured and you can use the low potency homeopathic remedies of the ginkgo as well to help the body process the ginkgo. So you can take the tincture and then you can take the low potency homeopathic remedy as well. So this tends to increase the blood flow to the brain. It increases metabolism, the metabolism efficiency and regulates the neurotransmitters in the brain and tends to boost oxygen levels, which the brain actually uses 20% of the body's oxygen. So that's an awesome herb and I would not discount taking that herbal supplement in the form. I, I believe in tinctures because tinctures are made with alcohol so it, it 
extracts all the constituents of the plant in a very viable and easy way for the body to assimilate it. So I love tinctures. I, I use a lot of tinctures. And for a while we couldn't get them, but we, we can now, so that's kind of exciting. So those are two herbs that you can take that will help to supplement that which may be missing in the diet. And like I said, I I believe in herbs if they're if we're having a hard time getting these things in our diet and especially if we have a specific need then it's really nice but I don't ever like to say hey take this vitamin or that supplement especially because when if unless you're just buying um, organic herbs you're paying for the convenience of something if you're buying a, um, a specific name brand supplement and it's not necessary because you can I have I had a lady come in the store the other day and she's like oh Sue she says I just bought this beetroot for my daughter and it has, you know, whatever. And I said, oh, that, like the organic beetroot I have here? And she's like, oh, I don't know if it's organic. What do you mean you have it here? So I have a little section where I have some herbs and different supplements. And she's she's like, oh, you have it here? And I said, yeah. And she's like, it's only $4? <laughs> I said, yeah. And she's like, oh, my gosh, I just paid. And she was telling me she paid like $133. She had to buy six cans to get it that cheap. And... She goes like she goes, oh my gosh, is that the same thing? I says I have no idea what you bought. I I don't know. I don't. I'm not real familiar with all the different supplements that are out there. So she actually walked home, got her can of stuff, brought it back, and she's and I said she goes Sue, what's what's in here? And I says well, it's just basically the beetroot, the powdered beetroot. And I says you've got some ascorbic acid in here, which is good. The vitamin C is good. I said but and there's some. I think there was some stevia or xylitol or something in there maybe a stevia and then I think there was some another flavoring and I said well <laughs> you just paid a lot of money for convenience but yeah you know she goes could you make this up and I said yeah <laughs> she was so upset with herself and I says you know don't beat yourself up I says you, you just like I say you did pay for convenience and your beetroot's not organic but I said it's you know we don't know these things and I and when you buy something like that it helps to teach us you know about what is good out there or not but I always seek organic in everything and that's why I just buy the organic herbs make my own tinctures but we're not going to get into making our own tinctures here but you can buy really good tinctures as well so um, I'm not gonna you know sit here and and have a class on that right now but anyway some of the other things that you can do and this is this was really really funny but for the ADD and ADHD there's a, a doctor out there my friend I'm not even gonna sit here and mention names as far as there's so many doctors out there that do tell you about ADD and ADHD and they are really big into the essential oils and things like this and of course you all know I love essential oils and about a year no it's been a couple years ago a couple years ago my friend actually told me about this supposed cure for ADD and ADHD and I had to start laughing because I really do believe it works a lot because like I said I tend to have people around me with this problem <laughs> but I've never gone to the extent of actually trying this full force and I I do plan to actually after having done this class now I'm this little podcast I'm very excited to actually try this but there are three essential oils that are that are very beneficial when it comes to ADD and ADHD 
Now, mind you, I would still do the herbs and I would still use the homeopathic remedies because they all work so well together. They complement each other. And you can't get better if you don't have the nutrition. Do you see what I'm saying? Even with homeopathy, you still have to have good nutrition. You still have to have proper sleep. You still have to be clean and tidy and you have to have daily routine and all these things for any healing to go on. But the essential oils that this Dr. Terry Friedrich, he had done a study of 40 children, and I can't remember what year this was, but it was children ages 6 to 12. 20 of them were diagnosed with ADHD, and 20 of them were the double-blind study, so they, they were not diagnosed. They were children without learning disabilities. And so they did a 30-day case study where the children inhaled essential oil three times a day, and then they were it was dispersed by a machine throughout the even, throughout the night while they were sleeping. So the three essential oils that they worked with were lavender, cedarwood, and vetiver. And so after this 30 days of these children inhaling this essential oil three times a day, now just smelling it, okay, just inhaling this oil three times a day, and then it was dispersed, like I said, in a machine throughout the night very diluted but they were inhaled they were smelling this at night 53% of the children who were just simply sniffing lavender had they had a 53% cure rate for their ADD or ADHD it calmed them to such an extent that the 53% you couldn't tell that they had the ADHD versus the children without the problems the children who were sniffing cedarwood had an 83% improvement rate and the children who were sniffing vetiver had a 100% improvement rate. So you couldn't tell the difference between the children with ADHD and the children who had no problems. You couldn't tell the difference between them. Isn't that interesting? So, like I said, in that those those are neurotransmitter triggers that these oils were affecting in the brain. But like I said, if there's a if someone actually has this problem you know, I would still pursue the extra nu nutrition and I would still pursue the constitutional homeopathic remedy because all of those things, like I said, work together. Because as soon as these kids now go off and stop smelling those oils after a period of time, you know, they it's not going to necessarily cure them because, like I said, it's genetic. It's not going to cure them. But so they can go back into those hyperactive patterns again. It's just a good thing to always have all these things in place and going on in their lives so that the body is, is being stimulated and given nutrition from all aspects of their world. It's just really important to acknowledge these things and say, yes, we have a genetic glitch here. <laughs> and, you know, like I say, we, God in his, his wisdom knows we need people who can hyper-focus. He, he knows we need people who can do those those tasks that no one else has the courage or the ability to do. The problem is is that sometimes these people aren't socially acceptable in many aspects of the term. That's why a lot of homeschool moms will never even know that their kids have this genetic disposition because we tend to fo focus our school with our kids as to things that actually work for them. You know, little Johnny doesn't like to sit still, so little Johnny does dishes and folds laundry while she's while mommy's working with little Susie, and then when she's done with little Susie, then she sits down and works with little Johnny, or vice versa, or whatever. 
moms make it work. They, they have school according to what works for that child. And we tend to, I think, yes, we push through the, the math and the English. We don't like it. We acknowledge the differences. And I, I've actually had moms that will use like the 3D, you know, like the, I, I actually use that with one of my kids too, who she just simply could not, could not learn to read. We went through alpha phonics, I don't remember, two or three times. And, and then I had a mom say, you know, do the 3D thing. And once we did that, then it would sit in her brain better. She could pick the letter up and hold it and talk about it and say the sounds and put it in words. And, and that really, really helped. But there again, I was exposed to high doses of pesticides during that pregnancy. I almost lost her. I lost the two pregnancies before her. And so she was born the most wiggly child you ever want to see. And yes, very dyslexic, has trouble with a lot of things. But to the rest of the world, hopefully we've got her to a point where they would never really know it. She's very functional, very, can read real well now, but it's not been without struggles. And like I said, I was exposed to those high doses of pesticides and it's just a miracle she's even here. So I'm thankful. <laughs> we take what we get. And but like I said, that genetic predisposition is there. It just never only manifests itself when conditions aren't perfect. That's my belief because I've seen it over and over and over again. And we're going to talk about that in another show that the disposition can be there, but it never needs really to manifest itself. So anyway, I hope you learned something. I know I did. This was fun. I appreciate it, and I, I thank you so much for, for being a part of Homeopathy for Mommies. May God bless you and yours. Thanks for listening to this episode of Homeopathy for Mommies radio show. Please visit Sue on her website, homeopathyformommies.com, and join us right here at homeopathyformommiesradio.com, Wednesday, noon Eastern. As always, we pray the Lord blesses you with good health, vitality, strength, and wisdom.